Mic check, check, I'm good. So I'm Max Duran, Max, Max Duran, CWB Association Welding Podcast, Pod, Pod, Podcast. Today we have a really cool guest, Welding Podcast. The show is about to begin. Hello and welcome to another edition of the CWB Association Podcast. My name is Max Saron and we're here with a very special guest, a person I've known a few times for a while now. We've seen each other at different conferences and around the loop and I know he was involved with his local chapter. We have Michael Clay here who works for Lincoln Electric as a technical sales representative. Michael, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, Max? I'm good. It's uh, nice and warm here in Regina and how's how's the weather where you are? It, it's warm, but uh, storms storms coming in. Uh, I'm just uh, storms watching through my window here. So, like I said, and, if, we, if we end up getting cut off, that uh, you'll know why the power's gone out. <laughs> well, as long as we don't get the whiteness, you getting hit by lightning or something like that. No, no, no. We should be good for that. <laughs> and uh, where are you located? I'm in uh, Cambridge, Ontario. Beautiful Cambridge, Ontario. Perfect. Yeah. All right, Mike. So. You know, I've known you for a while. We've interacted quite a few times on a variety of different things. But for the people that don't know who Michael is, let's talk a little bit about, you know, uh, first of all, what it is you do right now, you know, your role at Lincoln. What is it that you do for Lincoln? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I've actually just within the last uh, couple of weeks started a new role at Lincoln. So I'm, uh, I've taken on a technical sales rep role for um, kind of central Ontario area. So it's, it's a little bit different for me, just in, from what I've done in the past. But uh, so it means a little bit less travel from what I had been doing, which is nice. And I get to kind of be involved in everything welding again, which is my uh, my my love uh, in life. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a new role within Lincoln, but I've been with Lincoln for almost five years now. So so it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. And then in the beginning. Let's go to the beginning of time for, for Michael. Are, are you from the Ontario area? Were you born and raised in Ontario? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, not born in Cambridge, but raised in Cambridge. So uh, we, we had a small break away from here. We lived in Calgary for a few years and then uh, we moved back to Ontario and we ended up settling back in Cambridge, which I didn't think I would, but um, mm-hmm. it's nice. Just family's worked out close that way. By. Yeah. yeah. Family's close by and, and we've got our kids that wanted to be close to family. So. It's all right. It's growing on me now as I'm getting older. <laughs> well, you know, in my experience with people that work at Lincoln, um, most of the people I know who are technical reps or are involved with with Lincoln, uh, with what you do, are either past engineers or welders. They're kind of one or the other or a mix of both. So what's kind of your background going getting into this job? So uh, I'm a Conestoga College grad from the Welding Engineering Technology Program. Um, so that's my schooling, I guess, uh, for what mm-hmm. I did post-secondary. Um, so yeah, but I've had kind of a mixed bag of jobs between manual welding, robotics, uh, technologist kind of roles, and now into the sales uh, sales position recently. So mm-hmm. yeah. And so what pulled you into welding initially? You're like. When you were sitting around wondering what to do, um, were you already, did you already have an established career before you went to Conestoga or what pulled you into that program? No, I actually, uh, so my dad had a, um, 
like a tool and die machine shop uh, when I was growing up. And so that was where I thought I was going, uh, spending my summers working with him. I think when I was younger, I, I thought I was going to go to university and do something. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. thought that was going to be my path. But uh, working summers with my dad at, at his shop, um, it was like learning machining and it was okay. I didn't, I didn't love it, but it was kind of cool. Um, and then I was a, I was a big uh, skateboarder in my teenage years. So I had wanted to, to weld a skateboard rail and we had an old busted welder kind of sitting in the corner of the shop. And, uh, one of the guys kind of showed me how it worked and I thought, well, now this is cool. I can <laughs> melt this stuff and stick it together. Um, so we did a couple little projects like that around the shop and I thought, okay, if I can learn to weld this way and, um, we also kind of at the same time that was happening, we we took a lot of our tool stuff to be repaired at a local um, repair welding shop in Southern Ontario. And I uh, got seeing what they do and the kind of neat stuff that was happening there with like TIG welding, these like exotic mm-hmm. metals and guys welding with mirrors underneath these like weird cracks and crevices and repairing tool steel and laser welding and all this stuff. And I thought, oh, okay, this yeah. might be where yeah. I want to go. So I, um, got a job there kind of cleaning the floors for a little bit and um then might have lied a little bit about knowing how to tig weld (laughs) because i thought all right i I want to be that hard yeah (laughs) it was um but uh it it worked out and i ended up getting and and learning from them uh and took a night course on on uh, doing some tig aluminum and it just sort of fell in and and Mm -hmm. after the welding started is when i thought okay um don't know if I want to weld necessarily for the rest of my life, but I do want to be involved in this industry. And that kind of led me to researching Conestoga and finding out about the course and, and landing there. So. And then how long is the course that you took? It's uh, it was when I went there, it was a, a three-year course and it was just kind of one stream. It was a welding and robotics course. So, you know, we did touch on, inspection and quality and all that kind of stuff but the course title at the time was um welding and robotics so that was kind of the focus it's since split um they've got a couple different streams now you can go either in towards like an inspection route or a robotics route um and now there are i think co-op options as well so it has morphed over the last few years but um yeah it, it was welding and robotics focused when i was there and then when you finish the program, you know, three years is, is, a, is a decent amount of time to go to school. Yeah. Um, you know, what was the first kind of job you got? Like, did you have any issues getting a job or was it pretty easy and, and you kind of fell into something right away? I did. I did get a job right out of school um, and I ended up working at uh, Hitachi Construction in Guelph. Um, so at the time they were welding these uh, giant, giant dump trucks. Uh, like 300 ton capacity dump trucks for mines Mm -hmm. and stuff globally. So that's where I landed at first as a weld tech, um, doing some supervisory stuff, you know, helping the welders with procedures, um, ordering supplies, uh, training new welders, hiring new welders, that sort of thing as they came in the door. So it was a cool, um, cool little experience that got me to kind of uh, get exposed to, to more of what I had learned in school where I could actually apply some of it, which was nice. Do you feel like the weld tech course that you took kind of primed you for that? Not really a welder, like a full-time welder welder, but like the, the, I guess the, what, what would be the word? The, the, the support system for the welder. Yeah, definitely. It was, um, you know, there, there was so much more to it. And, and I mean, 
I really, I, I joke that I kind of hated it in school that everyone said, you know, we're not really learning a lot here. You're going to learn more when you get out into your first mm-hmm. jobs. And it really is true, but it did at least give you, um, you know, a taste for what you're doing because we, you know, there's courses in that for um, operations management. There's courses for, you know, cost reduction, uh, welded design too. So there's so many different paths and routes you can take from this. You know, my classmates have gone into so many different roles within the welding industry since then. So um, it opens a lot of doors, but I feel like you get a little bit of everything and just enough to pique an interest to steer you where you want to go. Yeah, definitely any type of welding course. There's always a sense that, and this might be the biggest difference between perhaps university, although university is kind of the same. But I feel like the, the the gap is bigger in in the trades, where you go to school for the trades and and you learn lots. Like it's not like you aren't learning. Like it's one year, two year, three years of learning, but it's such the tip of the iceberg. Like you're you're really at the bottom of the, of the of the spectrum of when you get out of school and you start working. And I think you expect to be maybe a little bit higher. Like as a teacher in college, I had that a lot with students being like well, I'm going to go out there and I did really good in school and, you know, I'm going to climb the ladder. It's like, oh, easy, easy there. <laughs> You're going to be right at the bottom. Like all this training you took is just to get started. Yes. Know? Yeah. And and the um, the really funny thing about that is that I, I laugh at this story the most is that a good chunk of the last, uh, thinking about before I came on to talk to you, that, okay, it's been getting close to 20 years now uh, being involved in, in welding for me, uh, which is weird to think about. But um, <laughs> when when I was in school, I, I hated robotics. I really, really did not enjoy it. <laughs> I thought this is not where I'm going to take my career. And I probably feel like I had that same kind of attitude. I'm going to take all these courses and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do all these great things. Um, and funny enough, the, the bulk of my, at least the last like 15 years since I've come out of school has been robotics and automation. <laughs> and funny enough, I, I really like it now. And I yeah. met up with one of my old teachers. Um, we grabbed a beer once in Calgary. We happened to cross paths and he's laughing at me because he was he taught my robotics course. And he's like, look at your career path now. This is kind of a funny shift from when you were in school. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. So yeah, yeah you, you never you get know. that bit and it just you know, wherever it ends up taking you. But Well, and opportunities present themselves at different times in your life and you're not really too sure, you know, like for yourself, how long were you at Hitachi building giant mining trucks? Uh, it was a couple of years. I, uh, mm-hmm. I definitely had the like young kid kind of job hop for a little while until I mm-hmm. found what I really liked. So I was there for a couple of years and then um, they had helped they had purchased a really big robotic cell to uh, weld their dump trucks and i got involved in that because again you know i had done robotics that was my first mm-hmm. real world scenario and, and and i liked it um and then ended up leaving after a couple of years and going to uh, motorman to do more robotics <laughs> so, um yeah you're you you bumped to yaskawa and now you're now you're robot world Yes. And that, that was my life then. And, you know, but it was cool because there, um, we got to do, it was kind of the, the a great world for me because a customer would bring me an application and say, Hey, we, we want to try robotics. Here's this material. Can you guys weld it with a robot and make it work? So I was able to, you know, program the robots, but also develop that weld procedure in a procedure, sense to say, yeah. how can we get this to work? And then, you know, show it to the customer and, and do all that. So it was a cool thing of getting to play with the welding and, you know, the, 
the video game at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a quick jump, though, from from, you know, school to to a shop to into a sales kind of support training position, which is, you know, it, when you're in school, all welders, you know, any type of welding program, you don't really think about sales as being a possible outcome. And I like, I mean, some of my, the best salesmen I know for welding were welders or engineers yeah. and they yeah. ended up in sales somehow. Yeah. And so like, it, it seems like you very early on, like, you know, you're a couple years out of school already. You're kind of heading down that path. Yes. Yeah. And, and it was weird, but I really think I realized at the time that, Hey, I like talking to people. And I like that. Yeah, we've done this this weld procedure, and now I can show it. But when the customer came in, and I could kind of take that pride and ownership too, and and really show them that look, hey, we can do this, and I can tell you all about how we did it, and you know what we're going to do, and what the benefits are to it. And I thought, oh, all right, this is kind of fun. Uh, I get to weld, I get to do what I like, and now I get to talk to someone about it. Um, so and yeah, you get but, to play with like the newest toys as soon as they come out. Exactly. Yeah, there was a lot of new technology. You know, then the nice part about um, being at Yaskawa, you know, at the time we had, uh, you know, a Miller section in our lab, we had a Fronia mm -hmm. section in our lab, we had a Lincoln section in our lab. So it was cool for me still right out of school too to say, look, all right, I'm not just one power source and brand. I get to learn about the technologies from all these different manufacturers and, and get yeah. to interact with all of them too, because they're all coming in. If I needed help with the Fronius system, the Fronius guys came in to help. If, you know, Miller, Lincoln, vice versa, you know, everyone came to help. So I got to interact with all these people too. And the knowledge was just like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, most of the, my friends that kind of were in the trades and then got into sales, especially when it's something specific, like whether it's, you know, uh, wires or robots or whatever, what happens is that some customer will walk in the door and poach them. And then all of a sudden they'll end up working for like one of the big clients that they, you know, kind of were helping along the way. Then finally that client's like, Hmm, maybe I just want you all the time. Did you see any of that happen in, in your career? Yeah. Well, that's actually how I ended up not being at Motoman. Um, <laughs> we, and, and then eventually how I ended up at, at uh, Miller Hobart after that, um, so with, with leaving Motoman, we had uh, installed a system in Calgary and um, the guy that, and so I got to go out to Calgary and we, we installed the system and we were doing a week of welding training with those guys. And then the guys that we had trained all left their job. So the I company, quit, quit. Then, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is a time where I feel like Calgary was still in that time of like, you know, the shop next door is offering you a dollar more. So everyone was like, mm -hmm. that's like mid two thousands around there. Yep. Yeah. 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 So it, uh, th those guys left to the shop that I was uh, dealing with, they were calling me all the time and I kind of made like an offhand joke with them one time, like, Hey, you know, this would probably be cheaper in your, your long distance bills if you just hired me. And, uh, <laughs> it kind of went quiet on the phone for a few minutes and then it was like, Hey, maybe we should talk when you're not at work. And, um, <laughs> anyway, we ended up in Calgary for a few years. So it, uh, it got us out there and, and my wife and I got to move out and, uh, it was a great experience. So yeah. Was, what uh, was your experience as a Ontarian coming out to the scary West? How'd you like Calgary? <laughs> uh, we loved it. Um, everyone knew we were from Ontario. I mean, really we joked that I think we met three people actually from Calgary when we were in Calgary. Cause everyone mm -hmm. was just like a transplant in. 
Yeah, uh, like 80% of the people in Calgary from Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I feel like I saw more like Rough Rider plates than uh, Yeah, 100%. Plates. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was great. It was a great experience. The shop I was at was great. It was a small little um, like machine and welding shop and they wanted mm-hmm. to expand their welding. So we did a lot of work with, um, you know, more automation, getting them introduced to that and kind of trying to optimize some of their processes because they had never really done welding. Um, they were primarily a machine shop. So that was kind of cool for me to be able to, um, you know, help them along that path. And since then they've done a ton more. We, we did a lot of training with those guys. So they're still going quite a lot, with a lot of new different welding projects and stuff. So it's, it's a neat, uh, kind of a neat feeling to, to do that with them. Them back kind of like back on the tools too, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Being able to, you know, do the programming and, and getting to do some of this stuff with them and, you know, working with apprentices that was different for me uh coming out of ontario too and going to alberta um like when i learned how to weld and and what i was doing in ontario we didn't need the tickets and we didn't need Mm -hmm. the you know the red seal and the apprenticeship and all that it was like the shop that i was at um i I learned how to tig weld i'm a pretty decent tig welder never did any testing so that (laughs) i think it it like boggled the minds of the people that i was working with in alberta that they're like well can, can you really weld are you you're not a welder can i call myself a welder in alberta now because i'm not not really and I oh i'm not yeah so i was like i don't know i'm the supervisor i, I don't know what i'm doing so yeah uh, so that was a it was a neat experience like working with apprentices and kind of getting exposed to that side of things because i hadn't mm-hmm. seen that um in ontario um and actually this is close to around the time when i think i met you at a conference and then we were kind of talking about it um just the different things. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's so much uh, mm-hmm. in this world, but I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> Which conference to... was that? Was that the one in Edmonton? Yes. Yeah. I think we yeah. met at Edmonton there. And then I, there was another one in Winnipeg that I was at yeah. with um, like on the, the council there for the, the meetings. So that was mm-hmm. uh yeah, but it was, it was a neat world. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how, you know, how long were you at this company for? Sounds like it was pretty fun, but smaller companies usually have some turnaround to them. So, yeah. So again, it was, uh, probably, I feel like I had like the year and a half, two year mark for everything. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, again, kind of in a similar situation, then ITW had approached me and said, look, they're, they're starting up some automation stuff. And I had worked with one of those guys, um, at Hitachi doing some metal core trials. And we had kept in touch and he said, Hey, you know, you've got automation experience, you've got filler metal experience. This is what we're looking for out West. Um, and I mean, for me as a welding guy, when a, one of the big three companies approaches you and says, Hey, we want to, you want to work for us. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and the shop that I was in was in a good situation and, and I could leave and, you know, there were no hard feelings or anything. And, mm-hmm. um, the shop actually bought from Miller. So it was a, you know, I could still support them if I needed to. Um, yeah, you're still on the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I uh, ended up there for a bit, which was good. So, so now you're working for one of the big three, you know, ITW, mm-hmm. that's the Hobart Miller world, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and there's more bucks and there's more investment and there's a bigger game plan. You know, what was the learning curve coming into that, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, for, for you? <laughs> through the roof. Just yeah. through, the, through the roof. It, it was crazy. Um, I hadn't really been exposed to something like that before. Um, it, it was a big, 
there's so much of a pool of welding knowledge to draw from in a company like that. Um, it was a really good learning experience for me uh, working with the guys out West. They're a great team of guys. Um, so I, I really learned a lot from those guys when I was there. It was just incredible um, getting a chance to see their, some of their corporate offices in the States um seeing the facility that was my first exposure to seeing how wire was made going down to hobart and seeing this kind of stuff so it was all really cool the mm -hmm. you know the welding nerd in me was like neat. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah exactly this is just really neat everything is really neat right now and what was your job with miller what were you doing there i was a uh, a product specialist for automation and for um filler metals so you know mainly metal core filler metals and um Miller's um, like Panasonic kind of partnership with their robotic systems. So that mm -hmm. was the idea was trying to introduce a lot of that out West, um, bringing in robotic systems out West and trying very hard to introduce that part of the world to automation and um, the yeah. way that like things can be done better and more efficiently. And no, That's we're not exact necessarily yeah. <laughs> stealing welders jobs. It's just shifting. So that was kind of a tight, fine line of walking on out west with with a yeah. lot of this but and the west is very stubborn very very archaic in many ways in terms of how things are made and honestly it's the byproduct of wealth you know yep. if com if companies do so well why change you know exactly. so so it's uh when things get lean which doesn't happen that much out in the west I mean, we're we're pretty resource rich so mm -hmm. you know when the country goes lean we're not as lean as other places we yeah. complain a lot but really we're still, <laughs> we're still pretty good right like we're still, still doing okay. all right yeah yeah um and i find that that's one of the biggest obstacles we have we're trying to introduce new technologies in the west is that's like why it's working yep. fine right now you know yep yeah that was that was a big challenge of trying to to show you know like you may not even notice like this is the thing i'm really coming across in the last you know just 10 years of, of this is that people don't even notice of when there's things wrong and they're in the, not even wrong, but there's the, that things could be improved. That deficiency. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. It's that attitude of, yeah, we've always done it this way and yeah, it does work, but you don't realize that like, Hey, like how much money can you save or how much little bit faster can you do it? If you just tweak this or, you yeah. know, you just <laughs> change that. And, um, you know, people have blinders on and I make the joke all the time cause I'm definitely guilty of it, but, welders are just i think a notoriously stubborn group of people and if we get something that we like why would i want to change that because it works and i like doing it and i'm the one doing it every day so you know if it's not going to do if i don't really directly see how it's going to benefit me right away then i don't want anything to do with it so it's i found that's been kind of an experience mm -hmm. um i heard a saying once a hard material hard mind it's the, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, we work with a, a hard, stubborn medium. Yeah. And so we have kind of a hard, stubborn mentality because yeah. if you got to move a one inch piece of steel and it don't move in the first five minutes, well, you are still going to be there for the next four <laughs> hours trying. Like, I mean, that, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it'd be easier to automate the, the jello making, you know, industry because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Something else, but so it, it is yeah, go go ahead. Ahead. yeah i was gonna say it is it is changing though like i, I do mm -hmm. notice that you know there's there's more people and there's more uh 
do my shameless, you know, plug of, of you guys and what you're doing and everything. And you know what the CWP is doing is like trying to shift that a little bit more. And there's so many more people coming up now that are, you know, pushing and promoting this. And I think there is a shift happening, which is nice now. So it, it is, is. Uh, just slowly. It <laughs> is. And, and, and like, I mean, I think it's what's happening is that there's better examples now of like, okay, um, you know, company X down the street invested and they invested into new stuff and look at how well they're doing. They just expanded. You yeah. know, I get a little bit of FOMO and being like, I want to get in on that a little bit. Whereas previous, it was like, look at Ontario. They invested so much into automation and then the bottom fell out and they're all right. unemployed now. So where, right. how did that help them? Right. You know, where's the automotive industry? Where's all, right. where, where's these industries that invested so heavily into robotics didn't save them, you know, right. but that's not a apples to apples, right? No, that's, it's not. It, it's not the same thing. So it's like, no. you can't really use that as an argument, but from the outside, you know, the uninformed mind can, right? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, in terms of, you know, you're working for Miller, you, yep. you're, you're getting deep now. You're, this is like, you're working for the big boys. You got lots to learn. And how was your tenure there? How long did, were you at Miller? And, you know, what was kind of your path within that company? Yeah, that, so that I, I had, when I was there, I was looking after kind of Western Canada for, for that kind of stuff. So it was a, um, what I thought at that point in my life, a lot of travel, kind of going between, you know, Winnipeg to Victoria, Edmonton, you know, Saskatoon, all these kind of places mm -hmm. around. Um, so that, that was good. It was about two and a half years and then kind of right where, um, it, so it was a good, you know, growth in that time and, and we did all right. Um, but then kind of, as I was nearing the end of it, things were starting to kind of slow down again a little bit in out West mm -hmm. and, and, you know, having a robotics guy and it wasn't a big mover Quite at the hidden. time. Right? Yeah. 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 So I, I was kind of a victim to, uh, to a layoff. Um, but you know, they, they were great. They, you know, and, and kind of how it all happened, it, it went down nicely and, um, how I ended up at Lincoln after that was, uh, so good and so fast that it was such a, just like crazy transition to move back did to Ontario. You, did you apply to Lincoln? No, no. I, you know, what's funny. I used to kind of <laughs> on social media a lot and especially, um, <laughs> especially LinkedIn. I like, I didn't understand yeah. LinkedIn. I thought LinkedIn yeah, was stupid. This is boring. <laughs> yeah. As a guy, right? I don't really know why this is here, but, uh, LinkedIn actually got me my job at Lincoln. Um, I had made, changed my, you know, title on there, whatever to wild technologist seeking employment. And, um, one of the guys in the lab, uh, at Lincoln was looking for a weld tech and he shot me a message and he said, Hey, you know, this is what we're looking for. Are you interested? And I thought, yeah, this is kind of cool. So the, the position was just for the aluminum division. And I didn't even know that Lincoln had this. Mm -hmm. Um, but so Lincoln has a, an aluminum, aluminum division, right? In Mississauga, right near the airport. Um, and, uh, I said, yeah, I'm interested. I can come and play in a, in a lab. This is like my first year at school again, but I'd be getting paid to do it. Yeah. Let's, let's come and do that. And, um, I happened to be in Ontario kind of like in between. And I, so I was able to come in for an interview and, and they hired me and five years later now, almost, um, <laughs> you're still there. I'm still, still yeah. with the company. So it, and this will be like really the well. longest tenure you've been with. It is. Though. It is. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like I've actually now finally found my, Good. Your niche. Uh, 
my my like place of where I want to be and what I want to do, which is nice. So, uh, so I gotta ask because you've mm-hmm. gone from east to west, back to east. Your wife must really love you. <laughs> yeah, I, we're. Yeah, she does. Um, that being said, I, I was kind of told after this last move that we're not moving again anytime That's soon. It. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're in Cambridge for a little while. We're in Ontario for a while now. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like we're going yeah. to Calgary. Oh, we're coming back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we were we were there for five years. So it was at least mm-hmm. a decent amount of time that That's we kind of just settled. Um yeah. But uh moving out there before we actually got married was the trick. I had to kind of negotiate that with the the first company of like, I'm getting married in three months, but you want me to start now. So that was uh that was some fine <laughs> dancing to to make it work, but you know, at that's Polly. I think it was 2017 or 2018. We got a Panasonic Miller robot in Regina, and okay. so you must have just been on your way out because I think we worked with Don Duncan at the time, and yeah. he just like connected us with the robot guys. And I yeah. don't, I don't remember meeting you then. No, so I must have been the person right after transition. Yeah, because yeah. I started with uh, Lincoln. Uh, 20, January second, twenty eighteen. I started. Okay, must have so, been yeah, right was, around that turn. Yeah, we actually got one of the the touring robots. Um, that used mm. to be a part of the large Miller touring set. Yep. Um, that because uh, they were kind of shutting down, like their touring program. Yeah, and uh, we bought one of those because it was used. It had a few yep. hours on it, and we got it for a really good deal. So yeah. I remember because Don was like, "Hey, well, we're doing this tour. Do you want us bringing the robot by on the tour?" And I was like. Sure, and how much to make it be the last stop on the tour? And he's like, "Hey, that's not a bad idea." <laughs> that was a good. That was a good Don Duncan there too. By the way, that was a nice, uh, almost a good impression of how he would say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's an awesome dude. He's an awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, great yeah. guy. So now you're now you're back east and in yep. and you're and you're at Lincoln, yep. and you're now away from sales, out of the corporate bubble of you know having to move machines you're kind of back in the lab which yeah. is a very different vibe right there's there's yes. different expectations different pressures and and it's it's not so much public you know collaboration or or communications which you said is something that you love to do so yeah. what what was it like getting back in the lab kind of into the bubble of isolation it was a uh... It, it was so it was a weird there was kind of a mix of a good and a bad transition because it was really good to get back and kind of re-love the technical side of things because i i hadn't done it as much as i had wanted to i guess um like i did but it was different where this was like mm-hmm. just nose down i'm doing experiments in the lab um and i get to play basically now which is just neat because there's all this new cool technology and i just get to play with it like, you know, if customer applications come in, that's a bit more serious. But if I'm in the lab and I'm not working on something for a customer, I'm experimenting. We're playing with waves. pulling data, where, yeah. Yeah, you know, working on the robot, welding semi-automatically. I'd never uh, MIG welded aluminum before I started there before. So that was like a mm-hmm. learning experience. Um, so it was good. Um, the hard adjustment was, yeah, getting away from the customer interaction and then also, you know, for two and a half years before this, having a home office to now working in an office every day, like coming to a plant every day mm-hmm. <laughs> was like, oh, kind of Fred right. Flintstone hats on out the door at five in the morning. Like, yeah, <laughs> and back to uh, back to the GTA traffic in, in the Aye. Toronto area. So that was a 
it, that part was tough, but the learning again, there, my like learning curve just went through the roof. Um, because again, it was a, it was a new processes. It was new material. It was, um, new everything, a new company. Mm-hmm. just, everything was just like the learning was crazy. So, um, and, and it gave me an opportunity. I actually got a chance to speak at, uh, FabTech, um, mm-hmm. And then speak at uh, Canweld conference, kind of in the same year. So I did the Winnipeg Canweld and uh, Fabtech in Atlanta. I got a chance to play, and then I thought, well, hey, why don't I write a paper on this and mm-hmm. and do a submit presentation it, yeah. and submit it? And both Fabtech and Canweld said, yeah, come on out and do this. So I, it was a kind of a daunting thing. I'd never been to Fabtech, so I got to go down and do that and actually present to a room full of peers. I thought, oh gosh, yeah, that's fun. And uh, it's so it was so much fun. And doing it at Canwell too, as that was actually a the room was bigger at Canwell. that had more people come to see the presentation there in Winnipeg. I remember so that was yeah, it was more of a oh gosh, this is a full room <laughs> here right now. But it was so much fun. So it kind of really reignited my welding love, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Well, this is a great time to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk more about what you're doing, what you did at the aluminum lab, you know, for Lincoln and then what you're doing now. So everyone stay tuned here. We got Michael Clay with us from Lincoln on the CWB Association podcast. We'll be right back after these uh, words from our advertisers. This podcast is proudly sponsored by our partners at the Cooperators. The Cooperators offers all CWB Association members preferred group rates on their auto and home insurance. They are committed to helping Canadians like you find the best coverage for your needs. Give them a call today at 1-800-387-1963 for a quote and experience the difference today. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Canada Welding Supply. They are a family-owned Canadian business with an awesome customer support team that's there ready to answer any questions you may have. CanadaWeldingSupply.ca offers quick Canada-wide shipping fair prices, and a massive selection of welding supplies. They carry all the cool brands such as ESAB, Lincoln Electric, and Fronius, but also some of the very hard-to-find niche brands like Furic Cup, Outlaw Leather, and of course, Up and Smoke Welding Apparel. Best of all, they offer exclusive discounts only for our CWB Association members. Check out CanadaWeldingSupply.ca today to shop for all your welding needs. Remember, that's CanadaWeldingSupply.ca. And we're back here on the CWB Association podcast. My name is Max Saran, and we got Michael Clay with us here from Lincoln Electric. Right before the break, we were talking about his transition back to Ontario and him starting at this aluminum lab, which you have promised me many tours, and I'm always, (laughs) somehow we don't align. Somehow we don't align on that because I want to see it. I've heard yeah. it's very impressive and it's very unique and it's something that's in Canada, which is, I love seeing big companies like Lincoln invest on this side of the border. So yeah. what is this lab? What do they do? <laughs> what happens there? You know, and what's the kind of the purpose of it inside the big picture of Lincoln? Sure. Yeah. So, and, and I still hold you to that. I know I'm not in that division <laughs> anymore, but next time you're here, if we can make it work, mm-hmm. uh, we'd definitely love to have you there. So I'll be there the third week of October, I think, just so you know. Sweet. We'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure that out. So yeah, it's, you know, and I had no idea the scope of this place until I actually came for my interview too. And I thought, oh my Mm. God, this, this exists here. So yeah, we, we, um, you know, that, that we, as far as kind of 
our knowledge and that we know um, we're unique in the welding world is that we're the the only facility globally that's got a fully integrated um, smelter coming from raw aluminum ingot in one side of the door the building all the way out to spooled and packaged wire leaving the other side of the building so it's everything um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a terrible place for a tour in the summer uh, because we've got a furnace <laughs> running and, and melting aluminum uh, so a customers ask for tours from like May to September I'm like no no just not going to bring you through that part of the building because it's awful um, I'd love that it, yeah love- <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool it's really cool to see it's yeah. just it's a lot building yeah. Uh, but yeah where you know where it gives us a lot of control over what we're alloying how we're alloying um, we've got full process control with you know with the quality side of it um, it's everything and then um having like a dedicated aluminum welding lab right attached mm-hmm. there too so a you know we do all of our our quality control for welding there we do all of our conformance testing um you know cwb aws all of our maritime stuff is all done there as well right mm-hmm. as the wire comes off yeah <laughs> we're able to weld it and do it um and then also you know it's it's a bit of like an aluminum r d lab there as well and, and customer applications too so it's a really dedicated um cool thing and then the nice part about it is that everything aluminum from lincoln electric globally comes out of mississauga so it all comes out of canada all the wire really i got a spool of lincoln aluminum in my uh in my garage right now made in in canada i never Um, even noticed yeah made in canada (laughs) sticker should be on there and uh you know all the way over to to europe india korea everywhere Mm -hmm. that uh, you'll have lincoln aluminum wire it's made in mississauga so it's, it's a cool thing. Now, when you're talking about process development in terms of wires and testing and, and welding, having the welding there, or I, I would say the welding, the, the aluminum production right there, are you creating both coupons and filler metals or are you buying already pre-certified, you know, aluminum, you know, plates or channel or angle or whatever it is you're working on and then yeah. using your special derivative wire? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're buying the material. So it's just, it's, it is a wire mill and a rod mill. It's not like, any, okay. you don't have any plate forming or extrusion or anything like that. Um, yeah, just, just the wire we're doing mm-hmm. material will source and, and do that. But yeah, I always in my mind, cause I worked at a, at uh, Everest here in Regina, we have a huge, uh, steel yeah. mill, right. Yeah. And I worked there for almost 10 years on and off between different companies. So I, I love, like when you're talking about the heat, I know that heat of furnaces and, <laughs> yeah. and, and steel production. And I kind of dig it. Like, it's kind of like doom, you know, the the video game doom. It's yeah, very yeah. much like that in my mind, yeah. like sparks and fire and giant <laughs> machines. And, and I love that stuff. And I always, because I, I was never smart enough or cool enough. I never got to be a part of like the R and D world. I was like the repair welder fixing things. I always had this vision of like mad scientists with like a little bit of cobalt and a little sprinkle of <laughs> titanium and what will we get, which I'm sure it's not nearly that random, but uh, you know, what's it like in the production of like these alloys to aluminum? What is that like? Like, do you, do you guys get to just play and be like, let's throw a whole bunch of something in it and see what happens or, or is it a lot more controlled than that? It's definitely a lot more controlled than that, you know, because our, our our furnace runs can get pretty can get pretty big. So we don't want to don't want to play around with all of a sudden we got forty thousand pounds of cement. Um, so it's which is why more... I guess I never got to do it because I was yeah. 
Let's I would definitely be the one to want to try it too, though. So what, <laughs> what can we get away with? Yeah. But I mean, it's it's like controlled playing. So, you know, we've got our metallurgy team there. We've got uh, our engineers working with us. And then, you know, there's the welders that are in the lab too saying like, hey, what if we tweak this and this to get this result? And uh, so we do get to play with that kind of stuff. But it's it's controlled playing, I'll call it. Well, and the advancement of the consumables of aluminum was late to the game. Mm. All right, because I've been welding for 30 years. 25 years ago, all you'd be able to find is these terrible arc aluminum rods that you would buy. And I don't even know who made them back then, but they were, they would sputter and explode. And it was like the, like, basically you'd just melt aluminum blobs onto something and then peen them into shape and hope that it plugs whatever (laughs) hole was there. Like, and then wire came out and then mm-hmm. wire processes came out with the ACDC machines. Cause that was the missing link. There was yeah. having the, the AC work with the wire and like TIG's always been there, but I mean, it, at that time, TIG was like always so slow. And so, you know, and you can't do it on site and it's not in repair and you can't do it in dirty areas. So it was like only for fancy, you know, you're building a trailer in your garage or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Now today, there is so many variables of aluminum consumables, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's filler wires, stick tag or whatever, and they can do so much more out of position, the different melting points, the solidification points, the elasticity points. Like, yeah. were you, a, did you get to be a part of this process? You know, you know, and did you get to see these kind of ideas come to fruition? I would, I would love to see how that works. Yeah. I mean, without, getting into too much like detail of it but yeah mm-hmm. we, we did uh the, basically the entire time i was in the lab we were working on a project um kind of doing some changes to some of our 5000 series uh filler metals uh so like the 5000 series aluminums and um mm-hmm. it was a pretty big change and but we had to go through a lot of like how is this going to affect first and foremost the welding um mm-hmm you know, and kind of work back from there. And like, if it's, you know, we're going to make this change that on paper sounds great, but if it welds like garbage, it's not going to work. No one's so buy it, you know. no one's going to buy it. Exactly. So, you know, we, we got to do, I became a really good welder from that point, just because it was like T joint after T joint, after groove, after groove to just <laughs> prove out that yes, what we were changing and what we were doing, um, was going to work. And, um, was going to still give like a good welding product. So mm-hmm. it was kind of neat from that point to, yeah, get to play with this. And, and, and we did make a change and, and it's basically all of our product now is, is kind of based on some of that changes that we did, you know, four years ago. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, throughout the years before I got there, they did a lot. Um, you know, our, our bulk packaging system is unique to Lincoln, uh, for how we feed our bulk package for aluminum. Um, and it's all kind of driven by tests and stuff that we do in our lab there in Mississauga, just from guys saying, Oh, nope, this is not going to work. Or, <laughs> Hey, Holy cow, this might work. How now, yeah. now if it does work, how can we work backwards through our process to like, you know, get back to our furnace guys and say, Hey, can, can we do this? Will this work yeah. in our furnace? So yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool process to be a part of. Now, in terms of, you know, the, the, you're talking about, you know, creating these aluminum filler wires and materials. What about, you know, the sales side? Is there, and I guess it's kind of a two-part question. One, do you, is there always an onus on keeping prices to a certain level? Like, does that actually filter down to the lab part? 
or does the lab part not have to worry about the money? Just like, let's just get the product good. Let's let the company figure that part out. Uh, we're, you know, we're involved a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. but a lot of it, you know, especially in the last couple of years and globally, no one's been immune to this. Like everyone's company has been a, it's been nuts because mm -hmm. the material cost has really mm -hmm. gone crazy. Steel. Like if there everything. was some magic ingredient that dropped the price by half, is that something that's oh, thought about? Would, or? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. We, you know, we're looking at that constantly because so much in the last couple of years has been out of everyone's control, whether it be steel prices, aluminum prices, alloying costs, um, mm -hmm. those kind energy of costs to run the furnaces, energy, like, energy costs. Yeah. Exactly. So there's always things that we're doing. Like our, our team, the, the guys in our, in our uh, foundry, are always working out what can we do to make the furnace run more efficiently? Um, you know, how can we get, what kind of processes can we do and develop from the welding point of view to make things run more efficiently that, you know, to offset the cost of the material because we have no control over that. Um, so yeah, like we're, you are, we're definitely involved. It's, it's a group effort for sure. Everyone's got to kind of chip in in some way to figure out how mm -hmm. to make it work. <laughs> okay. And that my two part question just turned into three as you're talking. The second point I want to bring up in this process was environmental restrictions. So as environmental moves, like aluminum's got a bad rap for being quite toxic, especially in the beginning, especially the electrodes, like arc electrodes. Yeah. There was a lot of bad, bad stuff in those rods to make them burn. Yeah. Now, you know, with the, the environmental restrictions consistently getting tighter and tighter, and in some, in some especially cases, in <laughs> yeah, especially, well, we had none for 30, yeah. 40 years. And yeah. now they're rolling in and everyone's like, uh, what do you mean? I can't get this rod anymore. And, you know, everyone's hoarding their, you know, 2% thoriated, you know, tungstens in their toolboxes and not telling anyone about it. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> how does that affect as well in the lab? You know, like is, uh, 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 legislation happens at the, at the government level and you're, you'll have to look at every single ingredient on your plate, right? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, we're all fully compliant to everything that is there now. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we've got, you know, environmental testing that takes place in Cleveland. So that, I guess that portion of it gets done down there because it's just a bigger resource mm -hmm. pool to, to do it. But, um, it, during this project that we did, you know, four years ago, everything that we did to change any kind of ingredient was looked at. How does this affect a, you know, the fume coming off the, what, how is this, what's the byproduct of when we're, this, this again is great on paper. This will do mm -hmm. a really cool thing, but what happens when it crosses an arc? What happens when it's now being burnt up in that shielding gas and all that sort of stuff? So um, everything is looked at where it's a very, very in-depth process to make sure that everything is going to be compliant and, and not harmful to anyone. And, um, yeah, it's all, mm -hmm. all looked at. <laughs> and then the third point, and I think this might, might be a little bit more unique to the, the bigger companies um, like Lincoln, is that they're in the game of everything. Mm -hmm. So they're not just making consumables and they don't just have like the consumables lab on the other side of the fence. They're making machines and coming mm -hmm. up with new waveforms and yeah. new options and new guns and new feeding processes. So there's got to be some type of a back and forth seesaw there where, Oh, they came out with a new machine. Well, that's going to affect all these wires or now do we have to develop a new wire to match the capabilities of that machine and vice versa? Yeah, I mean, we work really closely with the the team in Cleveland as well, and especially in the last couple of years, because again, like globally, there's been such a shift towards like aluminum, lightweight, mm -hmm. EV, all that sort of stuff. Like, 
Um, so we've, we've done a lot in the last few years just to focus on, you know, different waveforms and machines and how they can benefit. Um, the kind of nice thing or, or unique thing about like aluminum versus steel too, is like steel, um, like metal cores or flux cores an example, right? Like they'll still meet like an E71T classification, mm-hmm. but everyone can kind of pop in a little bit of this and a little bit of that just to kind of make it unique, right? Like mm-hmm. A Hobart wire, a Lincoln wire, an Erlikeed wire, an ESAB wire, they're all going to run a little different. They all meet that classification. Yeah. Aluminum's a little bit different in that sense because, like a 5356, five, you can't really play with the alloying, right? Like the AWS yeah. is kind of set, like this is what the criteria to meet yeah. this aluminum alloy is. So there's less so of that when, you know, we come out with a new waveform. Uh, like say a five three five six or a five one eight three or a triple five six, they all weld similarly enough that a waveform or a machine Shift, change yeah, isn't yeah. really going to change it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kind of did like general aluminum waveforms, so we've developed yeah. them and we've made them a hell of a lot better in the last couple of years. So. Um, out of necessity, because there is such a global shift towards <laughs> that now, right? So. So are we going to see a hyperfill aluminum version? Twice the aluminum, half the power. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll see, I just did the commercial right there. Like, I mean, you did, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, everyone's we we've all talked about. I, like, I I don't know. I don't know. The hyperfill is pretty cool, man. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't I, believe until I saw it. I was like, hey, this thing actually works. And have, have you you've been able to try it yourself? Oh yeah, yeah. no, I uh, I did like a, I filled like a one inch groove weld in like one shot <laughs> yeah at like 26 or 26 volts i was like what how i don't get it it's, yeah <laughs> i know it's go- it's goofy it took a long time for me to really and i even spun the gun around, around to see if it would screw yep. up because in my brain i was like oh that'll screw it up no it was it worked yeah i know it's it's cool <laughs> i don't know i don't know for aluminum we we do different things for aluminum to to kind of make it better so we've done um like large diameter aluminum wires. I was about to ask, like they've gotten bigger for a long time. It was pretty restricted in diameter. Yeah. So we've, without getting into like details, cause again, it's, it's our R and D type It's a stuff, little classified. We, we've, we've played with like open art. This is what it was so cool. And what drew me to this lab is that we played with, you know, doing two inch thick aluminum pieces in two passes. Ooh. Cause we'll use a, like a four millimeter, gmaw aluminum wire like a four millimeter wire and yeah. run run an open arc process that's uh, like almost 532nd like you're ripping that in there it's big it's actually and it's not even it, it's it's called it's like a buried arc process so the, the metal transfer is actually happening like in the plate mm. it's a lot of amps and it's goofy it really like, it was really i can't goofy. i can't really wrap my head around that because i would just it's, i would just envision the whole thing just collapsing from the heat yeah it it, it's it's goofy and and if when you come in october for the tour i'll show you <laughs> we have the coupon like we've got the coupon yeah. in our lab so you can see the cross section it's silly um so we do different things like that um just larger diameter and you know we've got like a, a part number and a readily available like one eight gmaw wire that we can run mm-hmm. it's not a handheld process anymore right mm-hmm. but um, unless you want to be doing this all day yeah, you know, or uh, <laughs> on on a tractor or a robot or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. it's a good good option. So yeah. So you're you're doing all this really cool stuff at the lab. You're yeah. like, I mean, it sounds like some top secret, you know, sci-fi stuff going on in there, which I'd I'd love to see. Yeah. 
but you just at the beginning of the show you said you just started a new role four months ago um still within lincoln though but <laughs> there a couple of weeks ago yeah, uh, yeah you know as a, as a technical sales rep so yeah. what what pulled you out of the lab now it sounds like the lab was kind of super fun it was so i actually i, I had another transition because in the lab i again had the realization that i, I missed talking to customers and i missed mm. um doing the salesy type thing so within still within the aluminum group uh, i had an opportunity to do uh, some sales type stuff uh which was a really cool experience too because it was a global sales position so i had looked after um europe and i got to travel to south korea and i got to travel to india and do technical support and welding training and all that in these different parts of the world so that was uh pre-covid uh I wanted to try and get mm-hmm. through the, the podcast without saying that word, but um, <laughs> that was uh, pre-COVID. I didn't so, say it. <laughs> I know, I know. A um, lot of travel, and it, and it was a really mm-hmm. cool, again, just great eye-opening experience to see how things happen in different parts of the world. And I know you've had that experience too, and you've mm-hmm. been able to see some cool welding in, you know, outside of North America. And it's yeah. very different but also the same, like it's a cool, that's why I like the welding is that it's yeah, the a The cool, signs don't change, just the, no, no, the just way it's done, you know. How it's done and, and <laughs> how parts of the world look at safety or or lack mm-hmm. of safety. And so <laughs> it was um, it was cool. So then, you know, that the last couple of years have happened. Um, travel obviously was not happening. Uh, I got used to being home. My kids got older and got used to me being home. And I realized too that, okay, you know what, I want to see... Lincoln's this amazing company without getting on that and like beating the drum of my company that mm-hmm. I work for. But like they've been around for a long time and there's a reason they've been around for a long time and they've done a lot of really cool things within the welding industry. And I thought, wow, I really have only seen this little portion of Lincoln with the aluminum. I want to see what else is there. And it kind of worked out that there happened to be an opening in Ontario. Um and and again, just with with a shift and wanting to stay within Lincoln though, and and just um, expose myself to the hyperfills and the different kind of things, and see some subarc again, and mm. um, remembering that I really like welding, and I thought, okay, I yeah. want to see what else what else we can do and what else we have. So that's what kind of led me into this. So it and was. So now, uh, what's the day? What's the day today now? Customer visits, um, you know, we're, we're getting back out there and I feel like we're doing it hard now trying to make up for, uh, you know, the last couple of years. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of customer visits, which is good again, to kind of see, um, even within Ontario, the different mm-hmm. industry segments that I'm visiting, you know, from rail cars to automotive to, you know, Marine, shovel, every, shovel yeah. buckets to agriculture, even a little bit, um, it's it's a cool thing. So that, that's a lot of it right now. It's a lot of training for me right now, just to kind of bring my brain up to uh, remembering how to weld steel and what spray transfer <laughs> is, and um, you know what hyperfill is, and all this kind of yeah. stuff. So it's uh, and all the new machines too, like all the yes. toys, right? Yeah, I uh, we've been talking again to a couple of my friends from school that I went to school with, and and you know we finished twelve, fifteen years ago from school now, so it's our exposure to Lincoln, we're all kind of laughing about it because we all, I think, kind of came out of it. Like we had at the time at our college, you know, it's different now, but when Mm -hmm. we went there, there was like one Lincoln welder in the back corner 
um, this like old brick of an STT machine <laughs> and everyone hated it. You know, no one went near it. And uh, so I was talking with some of my classmates again the other day. I said, man, it's changed so much and how welding has changed so much in the last 10 years is just, it's insane. It's um, the innovation and, mm-hmm. and, you know, what's grown so much is just, it's, it's just incredible. It's really incredible. So yeah, it's the big, it is, you know, like we, right before I left to college, we had just invested in a couple brand new STTs, the new, new ones. And, yeah. and uh, we started running the, like, so we tend to let the, like the first years kind of run on a bank of older machines. Yeah. And then we save like the good, good machines for when people start getting to their third year or like specialty programs. And I was always in charge of 30 years and upgraders. So people challenging their, their red seal, which in the West red seals is a big deal. Like yeah. everyone yeah. wants to get there. I, I know that now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, a lot of training centers and I, I really don't want to like throw mud. Like it's not about throwing mud, but a lot of training centers or even welding instructors have this concept of you can weld on anything, like any machine, new machine, old machine. It doesn't matter. I differ in my way of thinking. Yes, you can pass any pre-qualified test with pretty much any machine. If you got time to figure it out and dial it in. But if you do have access to new technology and new machines, your chances of success go up like exponentially, yes. right? So for yeah. example, the open route MIG test, that's part of all the Red Seal tests in Canada. There's one plate that's a, you know, it's a one GF open route MIG. It's a short circuit route with a fill and cap and spray. That's a standard Red Seal exam for anywhere, any province in Canada one of the six i was started running the route in stt so no more of this like okay let's set it in back and forth watch the keyhole you'd spend a whole day just running demos to people like they're not going and it's like turn it on go to you know you start at zero if you go plus it pulls the puddle up if you go minus it pushes the puddle down pretty straightforward and just keep the wire in the middle like a dip like a dippity dip head and just pull it across and yeah. they pass every time. And it's yep. like, you know, someone was like, well, is that legal? And it's like, it's pre-qualified is pre-qualified. Yeah. It's, we got the, we got the filler wire. We got the machine. We're within all the parameters. A yeah. Pass is a pass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why would you not? Like our, our pass rates went up like 30% because of just new machines. And it's not because we were making better welders or we were cheating. It's just the technology available. Like just use it. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. If it's there and, and you can see it and use it, why not use it? Right. It's, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they're, they're so much more efficient now and everything with that too. So it's just, why, why wouldn't you, I guess yeah. that's the question. Like, why wouldn't Stubborn. you use it if it's available? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to talk a little bit about your involvement with the chapters. You said Daniela volunteered yeah. you for this yeah. gig, you know, she, and she's the yeah. chapter chair for Kitchener there. And, and yeah. she's, she's the, and, and you were the, I think the past chair for Kitchener, correct? Yep. Yep. So yeah. what pulled you into that aspect, you know, which is something we, you know, we, we have people come on this show podcast that have been welding for 40 years in Canada and I've never heard of the association, right. which is weird because my dad was a welder. So I've known about it my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And so what pulled you in and when did you, I guess, start getting into this CWB world? 
Yeah, I got involved uh, like way back in school. Um, so my teachers were were all really good, and there at the time it was the the Golden Triangle chapter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of these guys had been around since like CWA, and then uh, what was it before? If my the Welding Institute of Canada, Wick that's and... one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So like, some of these <laughs> I, I guys, have the books here from Wick. Uh, it's from amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they were involved from then, and that, that was their biggest thing is um, the networking side of it, and, and just being involved in the welding industry. And I, I really liked that, and it was a cool way to just get out and kind of chat with like-minded people and and um, see what everyone was doing. And everyone part of this chapter was from different industries, so it was a cool kind of exposure again. Um, so I was involved while we were in Ontario, right after school, I got involved in the local chapter and, um, you know, planning meetings and all that kind of stuff. And we had some good events. And then when I moved to Calgary, we kind of fell out of it. We, we had our kids. I just didn't have time with travel and all this kind of stuff. Um, and we moved back to Ontario and we knew that, um, I was kind of doing that office job for a little bit. I thought, okay, well, I'll have some time. I reached back out to the local chapter and kind of tried to revive it again. And um, I guess in being the one who is kind of poking everyone to revive it again, I was again sort of dropped into, all right, you want to get this going, then you're going to chair this chapter. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, so we did. And, and, you know, we got events going again. We had some good events going at, um, you know, places local to us. We, we did some cool, um, um, you know, kind of, specific topic things and then we we did some kind of cool little like uh industry panel type things where we had an industry 4.0 um like panel discussion where we had some guys from miller from lincoln from feronius come out and everyone kind of give their um talk as just like an open panel type thing which Mm -hmm. was neat for Mm us um and we did it at a a local brewery which was cool it was it was a really neat um really neat atmosphere and a great turnout i don't know who came for the beer who came for the welding talk but doesn't matter People came, so <laughs> yeah. um, you know. So we did that, and I and I stayed involved, and it was really good. And then um, when I started traveling again, I thought I got to step out of the the chair role. Um, mm. So Tyler, you know, I think he's been on the podcast before. Yeah. Tyler came in and, and did the chair role for a while, and um, when he moved on, I, I came back to help out for a little bit as the chair. And then we thought and I think Tyler went west, didn't he? Thunder Bay. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. It's I was like trying to the, keep the West Ontario sort of, yeah. yeah. It's a different Almost world. Manitoba. Up there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Manitoba ish. Uh, so, yeah. And then I've just, I've been still involved. And again, the last couple of years, it's been different and weird, but uh, mm-hmm. still been involved uh, to a point, but just couldn't, uh, couldn't do the chapter chair. And Daniela had the, the energy and the, uh, well, I kind of volunteered yeah. her too. So, well, we all, I think we all did. And the chapter, <laughs> yeah. we we're all like, who's going to do this if I leave? Uh, yeah. You. <laughs> You know, I was chapter chair for Regina for almost 10 years, and that's exactly yeah. how it happened. I showed up one day being like, hey, you know, I want to get back involved. And there was a bunch of older guys that were just about ready to retire. And they're like, oh, young guy, kind of interested. Hey, you're the chair now. It's like, God yeah. dang it. See what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. But <laughs> she's doing blast. a killer job. She's doing. Oh, man, she's awesome. The chapter. So, yeah, it's it's good. Everyone is kind of happy that it it went to her. We're like, oh, this is perfect because it's yeah. So in your travels, you know, across Canada and being a part of a lot of different industries now, what is it that the chapters could do better? You know, what is it that we could maybe get out there to to get more people signed up? And it's not that we're hurting. We actually had one of our best years ever for yeah. for signups and for growth. And 
and I think the programs are running well and we're you know, trying to shake it up and be more, more involved, but there's still gaps. There's still some dead zones, you know, like you, you have your kind of pulse on the neck cause you you're around, you're moving around, especially salespeople probably have the best gauge of industry of anybody. Cause they yeah. really see all the different wheels, you know, well, yeah. what, what's something that we could do better? You know what? I, I don't think that it's even necessarily something we're not doing a good job of, but I think we just, we need to do more, but it's, and it's not even us, like it's not unique to us, but it, there's still, and I, I sound, it's got to sound like a broken record, but just the the push to getting more younger people involved in the welding and, and then yeah. schools and like from, from high school up or somehow we need to like convey that welding is cool <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which no, it is and and like yeah. no one knows what it is right so mm-hmm. it's and i think there's still really that perception of everyone the first thought of welding and and i blame like you know a lot of advertising does this too because you know they see welding and it's a picture of like sparks flying everywhere and smoke and all this some kind of super stuff. greasy person in a really yeah. dangerous place yeah yeah and it's like it's not what it has to be it's uh, like, i mean it can be if you like that but there's it can be not for all, sure. yeah but it's that's for not sure. all of it yeah no so i think that's that's the the thing and and um i've been i following a lot of the, the things going on in the states like the the weld scientist nate and you know what he's mm-hmm. doing now and um i just listened to him on the arc junkies podcast actually with mm-hmm. what they're doing and it's like that's a cool idea and I think we're doing it because, I mean, even our chapter last year, we had a bunch of our events and our donations went to local high schools because we're like, mm-hmm. we have this money. Let's give it to the high school. Yeah, and we just up- started a whole new program just yep. to get money into high schools. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. I talked to my wife about this the other night, too. I was telling her that, hey, we're doing this. And she went, there's welding in high schools. And like, because our high school, <laughs> we didn't we didn't have it. So yeah. even for Neither me, did mine. School, I didn't yeah. know about welding. Um yeah. So it's, it's not, it's, it's just not known. And I mean, we are doing a good job, but I think that's just, we just have to do better because it's, uh, you know, welding's not going away, but yeah. the, the people are getting older and, and, you know, now being in that sales role and seeing it every single place that I go everywhere, everywhere needs, needs people yeah. is hiring yeah. everywhere is hiring for welders and they can't they can't keep people interested because you know maybe the shops are are out of date with what they're doing so when the guys come into the shop it's like and you know i've got this old cv equipment that's 30 years old and you know it sparks are flying everywhere and everything's falling apart yeah if you're not willing to upkeep your shop or or invest in your shop are you going to invest in me right exactly so i think that's you know trying to just keep raising that awareness and keep raising that like or getting that help into you know the the younger generation and even into shops somehow too. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more shop involvement with the CWB. Well, this is back then the CWA when I was young. I worked for companies where they'd be like, "Hey, uh, there's a thing coming up. They put up a poster. Everyone try yeah. to go to this thing." And yeah. uh, and I I don't see that type of engagement as much anymore. And I'm not sure why. I, I think maybe just a cultural shift. Like maybe we just aren't the same type of people. Like, you know, like Gen Zs, millennials, Gen, yeah. you know, um, and even the tail end of Gen X, you know, we started becoming very introverted as a culture, right? We yeah, we we stopped with just the mass hangouts. It would be like just group hangouts, people you know, yeah. or and so I think it's it's tougher to to sell that, but I think it's starting to come back. 
and the schools is another thing that we're fighting with hard. We have pushed so much into schools and I, I just came through a run of my own where my kids went through high school and um, now they're both graduated and then they're both done college. But I was chapter chair when they were going to high school in my city. And yep. I was the one making the documents, sending it to the guidance counselors. And then I'd ask my kids, did you get that? No. <laughs> did you hear anything about it? No. I sent all the information to the career fair. I sent it to the school board. Did it filter down? No. Asked my friends who's got kids in schools. Did it go to that school? Schools that even have welding programs. Right. No, we didn't hear. So it's like, okay, so we're not getting past some type of a gate. There's like a gatekeeper that is saying, yeah. you know, oh, you want to talk about being a lawyer? Yeah, come on in. You want to talk about being a veterinarian? Come on in. You want to talk about being a welder? No, sorry. You stay yeah. on that side of the fence. And I don't, that's, that's a tough barrier to cross. I agree. And I would agree with that for sure. It just seems like there's something that is just, you know, holding it back from actually like getting, you know, that access that we need to, to get in there and show people what, what we do and, uh, why it's so important. Right. And when, why we need this trade to keep going and why, mm -hmm. you know, we got to get people involved in it is actually a cool trade in what we're doing. Right. So, it's, and it pays uh, really well. <laughs> yeah, it can for sure. Yeah. yeah and even if, can. even though and people are like, well, not all welding jobs pay well, well, even the ones that don't pay well still pay well pay like, all I mean, right. yeah, all right. like, I mean, yeah what are you talking about man like <laughs> exactly yeah all right so that's pretty much i think the interview you know that was a ton of awesome information it's really interesting to see all the different things you did and how you worked <laughs> with these different companies and kind of you know you kind of got the gamut of, of knowledge now for you going forward what's kind of your role now what do you what do you see yourself you know, five years from now at Lincoln, 10 years from now at Lincoln, what do you see yourself growing into? And then also in terms of your involvement with, uh, you know, either the CWB Association or other organizations? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know I, I would like to stick around with with Lincoln for a while because it's such a cool, um, I get a lot of exposure to so many different things and it's kind of keeping my welding nerd happy inside because there's so much innovation that we are doing. Um, for everything so it's, it's a really cool thing so i mean in the next five years still doing what i'm doing i've gained a pretty cool interest in like the business side of things again which is again mm -hmm. just like different doors and routes like you know being in taking welding courses in college and not thinking that hey when i'm approaching 40 i'm gonna be that's a good <laughs> business and let's think about this i'd be like no what are you doing yeah you're gonna be a welder um <laughs> so you know that that kind of thing and, and there's 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 always opportunities to move up within lincoln and um it's a great company for that and supporting you know internal growth so some kind of internal growth would be great and then um as, to, as far as the cwb goes still just promoting and and i think that now hopefully uh, hopefully we're getting back to some kind of you know in-person events for our chapters mm -hmm. and that we can get out and do more of these things and you know even uh, FabTech Canada just this past year was was goofy the amount of people that were there, but I mm -hmm. think it was just everyone was just ready to come out and see people and see welding and see a trade show again, right? So it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. Um, so yeah, that for me just to keep being involved in in the welding industry, and uh, I'm gonna actually take my my little guys are asking about it now a little bit more because they're they're getting a little bit older. So I'm gonna. You know, before they go back to school next week, I got to take them in and show them some welding. I'll get them all suited up and start the, uh, start the addiction early. Yeah. Good. 
good. The yeah, next yeah. breed. I tried with both my kids. Neither of them went that way. But I tried. Oh, did I try? Uh, yeah, I'll try. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. And maybe I can, you know, the, the cool robotic stuff that uh, I used to swear off. But now it's it's a cool avenue. So, yeah. Oh, awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show here with us. And, you know, if anyone has any interest in what's going on with Lincoln or information about even the Lincoln Aluminum stuff that's going on in Ontario, send us an email. I can pass it along to, to Michael and, and he can answer any questions because I don't think a lot of people know the investment Lincoln has made into Canada and into, you know, this aluminum lab. I didn't know and I, I know quite a bit. So, like, it yeah. was even new to me. So, you know, I think that this is something very interesting and, and super yeah. positive. Our, our steel too. We've got a steel wire manufacturing in Canada as well. Just for there's yeah. a lot of Canadian manufacturing from Lincoln. We've done a lot to to keep that here. So awesome. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks a lot, Max. Any shoutouts for anybody? Uh yeah. Well, thanks Daniela for for getting <laughs> me into this, and uh, it was a lot of fun though. I'm glad we finally made it work. So yeah. All right, perfect, man. Well, I hope you had uh, lots of fun, and you know, for all the people that have been listening. You know, make sure to do your research and and remember that there's so many avenues to welding. There's yes. so many different paths you can take that, you know, the, that uh, initial path that you take when you sign up for a welding school does not mean that you're going to be helmet down for the rest of your life. It can be exactly. a bazillion things. And and hey, join the CWB and get involved because you will meet so many people and mm -hmm. interact with so many different you know, uh, options and you'll be able to network and there's so many jobs and connections that come out of these chapter events um, and conferences. So mm -hmm. do that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for the plug, buddy. Yeah. Thank so you. I hope everyone signs up for cwbassociation.org. It's free. And also keep tuning in for the podcasts. We are keeping them coming. Season three is rolling along, along awesome. So creeping towards our hundredth episode here. And I really appreciate everyone that's been downloading and following us here. So take care and we'll see you at the next episode. We hope you enjoy the show. You've been listening to the CWB Association Welding Podcast with Max Serrano. If you enjoyed what you heard today, rate our podcast and visit us at cwbassociation.org to learn more. Feel free to contact us if you have any questions or suggestions on what you'd like to learn about in the future. Produced by the CWB Group and presented by Max Serrano. This podcast serves to educate and connect the welding community. Please subscribe and thank you for listening.